You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I'm flying through my, um, I guess I'll just call them positional rankings at this point because top 10 doesn't even make any sense. But uh, for my Patreon subscribers and anyone that would be interested for $1 a month or more if you're interested, but as little as a dollar a month, I now have wide receiver, offensive tackle, offensive guard, edge rusher, tight end, linebacker, and safety. So if you'd like the full sortable list, Again, there's lots of really good resources there. Um, some PFF advanced stats, some strength of schedule, uh, relative athletic score, and then my manipulation of those things to come up with final grades. So feel free to check that out. But I do want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to talk about some of the ones that um, we haven't talked about yet. Specifically with offensive line, because even though I did go through a little bit of that, it'll give a little bit more context with my list here. Also, there's been some talk and some news about Taylor Rapp, so I want to spend a little bit of extra time maybe talking about him. I guess we'll just see where that, uh, where that leaves us. Allow me the great privilege of reminding you that if we get to 150 iTunes reviews, five-star iTunes reviews, thank you very much, um, the plan will be for me to do a live stream of the draft. I'll more than likely just do that in the Facebook group, but if I can figure out a way to stream to YouTube, Facebook, and anywhere else, I'll probably end up doing that. But I think the default, if nothing else, I will put it up on the Facebook group. For reference, I think we need, I think we need like 33 more reviews, which again, could be done by today, and then we can just move forward with this fun little plan. So if you do have a moment of time, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an iTunes review. If you don't have iTunes, don't use iTunes, don't want to download iTunes, feel free to leave a five-star review over at Stitcher. You do need to use your desktop for that. I don't know why other than to say everything podcast is still having a hard time catching up to um, anything even resembling modern technology. But it'll get there. I'm fairly confident of that. Um, Also, make sure that you get yourself into the Facebook group. Link is in the description. NFLBigBoard.com is not updated yet. Still a really good resource for those of you interested in doing a little bit of research on some of these draft prospects. For any new listeners, for those that don't know, NFL Big Board is a consensus big board that aggregates boards from around the internet. If you have any questions, comments, not concerns, don't care, 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. All right, so I want to look at the offensive line here. As I said, when I did my chart, or whatever you want to call it, my sheet here, grading system, I tried to tailor it as best as I could for what the Packers want, need, like, whatever. That is to say, as much as I value running the football, um, obviously the NFL doesn't value it as much, and the Packers maybe even slightly less. Beyond that, the Packers, I mean, not only historically, but with 
Um, Matt LaFleur looking to run an outside zone scheme. Athleticism is a little bit more important. So my leaning on the relative athletic score might be a little bit more heavy than I would have otherwise. But anyways, I came up with this handy dandy little score here. And um, as always, I want to just try to highlight a few different things. So I have 21 offensive tackles. Again, top 10 list. I mean, no. So I've ranked the top 21 tackles. And there's one guy that clearly stands out above the rest, and that is Mr. Andre Dillard out of Washington State. He had the second highest relative athletic score after uh, Caleb McGarry out of Washington. So unbelievably athletic guy. Also graded out by PFF as the highest or best pass blocker in the NFL, or in the all of college football. So obviously that's going to help a little bit. The negative on Andre Dillard, as you would probably expect, not the greatest run blocker in the world. Not terrible, but he ranked ninth out of 21. But to be fair, about half of these guys are just not super great. Looking at run success percentage, that's presumably when running in his direction, he was second last. He was 20th out of 21 offensive tackles. So that could end up being pretty problematic because as much as pass rushing isn't the best, or I'm sorry, I am especially brain damaged right now. This coffee just isn't waking me up. (laughs) Whenever my brain is off, my mouth just keeps talking. Like I'm literally wandering off thinking about other stuff. And my mouth's just like, yep, I got this. Here we go, pass rushers. I've listened to the show before. Get the quarterback, locker room, right? I know what to do. Football touchdown. Oh, I got this. As much as run blocking might not be the priority, I think it's still a priority. So if the Packers ended up drafting Andre Dillard, that's cool. Very, very good pass blocker. It's one of those things you can look at and say that's awesome because if anybody has the ability to step in and be a very good, you know, protect Aaron Rodgers, stop Khalil Mack from destroying our quarterback, that guy, I mean, if you just had to pick somebody, I guess it would probably be Andre Dillard. But again, I don't know. Overall, it grades out based on what I currently have as the best player, but that's pretty bad. Uh, after him, Mr. Dalton Reisner. So... Typically, I, I, I figure it's a decent, you know, chart here. And the, the problem is, I don't want it to look exactly like everyone else's big board, because then it's just me replicating everyone else's big board. I want to try to do something better, but I don't know if it's good or bad, because I don't know how good these guys are actually going to be. So, I don't know. We'll stick with this for now. But Dalton Reisner, I had number two. Kind of decent so far, because my top three here, Andre Diller, Dalton Reisner, Jonah Williams, all pretty top guys. Jawan Taylor, seen as a top guy, is seventh. There's no way I'm going to get him in any higher because he just he really doesn't grade out all that well. PFF actually gave him a pretty low pass blocking score, and he's seen as super athletic, but his relative athletic score is actually oh wait he didn't do it. That that's sort of the problem. He didn't do uh, so. I gave him a, a filler number, I think is what that is. I forgot to color that in. Anything you see for offensive tackle that's 7.5, that's just a filler number. But either way, still, pass blocking grade, not all that great, so he's just not going to be that high. But otherwise, there's really nothing here that I look at as far as prospects saying my list is kind of jacked up. But Andre Dillard, although he's not quite as high, a big part of that is his relative athletic score, 7.6, is a lot lower than a guy like Andre Dillard at 9.82. In other words, Andre Dillard is a freak, Dalton Reisner is just kind of meh. Also, strength of schedule, Kansas State isn't anywhere near where, you know, Washington State or Jonah Williams at Alabama or Caleb McGarry at Washington, Jawan Taylor at Florida, Yadnick adjust at West Virginia, right? 
Kansas State, not quite as good of a school. However, if you just look at his stats and grades, second highest pass blocking grade, obviously behind Andre Dillard. If you look at his pass blocking efficiency grade, or stat score, whatever, he had the second highest behind only Chuma Idoga out of USC. Now again, the, the difference is because it seems like they should be the same thing, they're not. Pass blocking efficiency is a statistic. The pass blocking grade is the sort of, sort of quote-unquote tape where PFF is watching and analyzing whether or not they did a good job or a bad job and assigning a, you know, a positive grade or a negative grade. Pass blocking efficiency is a statistic. It's looking at how many times they were able to effectively block somebody and prevent them from getting a sack or a pre- or a hit or a hurry. So in both cases, statistically as well as PFF watching and analyzing, he's a great pass blocker. As far as run blocking, his PFF run blocking grade was second only behind Jonah Williams. So he's the second best in pass blocking, second best in pass blocking efficiency, second best in run blocking grade, and his run success percentage was third behind William Street out of North Carolina and Max Sharping of Northern Illinois. Second, 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 third. As far as stats and grades go, he is easily, by far, the most well-rounded and talented offensive lineman in the entire draft class, and it's not even close. Now again, it's PFF's grades, take it for what you will, as well as their statistics and metrics, which are pretty solidified. I don't know that you can really tweak it all that much. Either way, there's not a huge amount to argue with. And relative athletic score, which was somewhat low, obviously not terrible, he was in the sevens and and, and was eighth out of 21 offensive tackles. Still, I, I just, based on this, and maybe me saying this means I need to tweak things a little bit. Based on my chart here, I think Andre Dillard is probably the best option. Jonah Williams coming in at third. He didn't come in at you know elite in any one category, but he's solid and well-rounded in all of them. Similar to Dalton Reisner, just without the top end as far as pass blocking, and he's not far behind. Pass blocking grade, Dalton Reisner's 9.1, Jonah Williams 8.86. Pass blocking efficiency, 9.3 to 8.7. Run block rate, again, Jonah Williams is higher. I think I said Jonah was number one in run blocking. Run success percentage, it's kind of far away, 9.37 to 8.92, but 8.9 is still pretty high. The biggest problem with Jonah Williams, though, relative athletic score 5.46. Not very athletic at all. In fact, it was the fourth lowest, only ahead of Greg Little, David Edwards, and Dennis Daly. David Edwards out of Wisconsin, by the way, graded out horribly. He had a 4.7 relative athletic score. Pass blocking efficiency was 4.6. The next lowest was 6.6. Only two other guys had 7s. Everybody else was 8s and 9s. I'm sorry, there's a 5 here. Taylor Romer, whatever. Bottom line is this whole sheet here is all 8s and 9s with the exception of a couple. David Edwards had a 4.6. So not a very good pass blocker at all. His run block grade was okay. The only thing he actually graded out well in was his uh, run success percentage. The problem is everybody else did well in that as well. He was 12th. That was his best metric, was 12th. Even his strength of schedule was 14th. So anyways, I know a lot of Packers fans are also Wisconsin fans, so I thought I'd highlight that. Uh, Rounding out the top five, a couple guys that uh, aren't talked about nearly as much. Again, Jawan Taylor not in the top five. Yadni Kajas not in the top five. Greg Little not even close. He was 14th. But the two guys that did make it, Caleb McGarry out of Washington and Max Sharping out of Northern Illinois. Talking specifically about Caleb McGarry, he really isn't that elite of a pass blocker. It would be somewhat of a 
I guess, sort of surprising to pick him up, although it depends how late he ends up going. But he is athletic. Relative athletic score was 9.84, highest of anybody, any of the tackles. At least as far as we know, again, three of them didn't, uh, don't have a relative athletic score yet. His run success percentage was extremely high. Otherwise, as far as pass blocking, just kind of meh. I mean, he was ninth, which isn't terrible, but he was 13th in pass blocking efficiency. So again, athletic. I mean, dec- I mean it's, it's all kind of relative, right? I'm, I'm saying he's not the greatest compared to guys that are freaks. So I'm not trying to say he's bad. Technically, based on his PFF grade, he would be considered very good, based on at least my terminology of it. Again, 60s are average, 70s are good, 80s are very good, 90s are elite. So when I say he's not a great pass blocker, well, he's down the list of ways from guys that are elite and, you know, high, very good, like 87s. He's an 80.6. But still, it's more, he's athletic, and the, the best attribute about him is his, his run blocking. Finally, Max Sharping out of Northern Illinois, not talked about nearly as much, probably partly due to the fact that he's from Northern Illinois. His strength of schedule score, he got a 4 out of 10. Relative athletic score, 8.79, good, but not, you know, top tier, so that's not really ultimately pushing him up. He's definitely more well-rounded. He's a better pass blocker than uh, than Caleb McGarry is. Arguably a better run blocker. He does have a lower PFF grade run blocking, but he has a higher run success percentage. So really, it's kind of interesting looking at a lot of these guys. It, 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 as I'm going through this, usually when I when I do this, there's like five guys that I like in the whole draft class. I'm the opposite of everybody else where they've got like 75 prospects that they think are awesome. I watch about five guys, and it's like, I love these guys. Everybody else is just kind of meh. The cool thing about this is you can kind of see the potential in people that are way later in the draft. Because my, my typical thought process is after the second round, I mean, what do you got, like a 30% hit rate? Not not necessarily complete bust going to get cut from the team, just the potential they're going to be very good as opposed to a starter that just isn't very good that you're looking to replace. Like, I don't know, Josh Jones. Like Jason Spriggs, who isn't even a starter. Like Oren Burks. Like blah, 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 blah. But there's a lot of guys who, you know, you look at Chuma Idoga. He's got a really, really low run blocking grade. But there's a lot of guys that are just kind of, you know, even keel across the board. So there, there's some guys with high upside, some guys that are a little more well-rounded, some guys that are super athletic, some guys that are a little bit lower because they're lacking athleticism but are solid football players. And that's another cool thing, too, is in a snapshot with this little sheet here, which will be useful on the uh, live stream day, when we draft somebody to be able to reference this and say, what are we getting here? What's the upside? What's the downside? What I really wish I had, which I guess I'll put on my 2020 wish list, is one of those, you know, those those trading offices, those people that trade, they've got like six monitors. That's what I need in reality because I have so many different references. I just need a billion different things to look at at one time. But I'll have a lot of stuff for that live stream. But this is going to be this is going to be pretty useful. And again, this is something that you can. So NFL Big Board is kind of cool because you can print that out if you wanted to, or you can just export it to Excel so you can have a list if you wanted to follow along with the draft. If you have your own board, fine. But that's a good little reference sheet if you wanted to use that. But this would be a cool little tool. Um, Anyways, let us move on to offensive guard, shall we? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So for guard, I have 17 prospects. I'll just give you the list in order here. Um, there's definitely going to be some people that are not where you would have expected them to be. But number one on this list, maybe not all that surprising, but Mr. Chris Lindstrom. Um, I don't think many people have him number one. I know Mark Jarvis is the guy that I've worked with on some of my mark, mock draft stuff. Uh, he's real high on Mark Jarvis, as is my uh, grading system here. But actually, number two on this list, Bo Benshowell out of Wisconsin. After that, another big shocker, Alex Bars out of Notre Dame. And then five, a guy who is seen mostly by people as the number one, Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Again, we'll get into the why. Um, number five, actually, again with the numbering. Number five, Yalta Froholt. Sometimes you just got to say it a certain way, you know what I mean? I mean, I could just say Yalta Froholt, but come on, man, just just embrace it. Uh, next, Ryan Bates, Trayvon Tate, Drew Samia, Ben Powers, Tyler Jones, Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin, pretty low. Again, we'll get to it. Michael Jordan out of Ohio State. Dion Calhoun, Mississippi State, Ross Pierschbacher out of Alabama, Fred Johnson, Florida, Nate Herbig, Stanford, and Lester Cotton, Alabama. So first of all, with uh, Chris Lindstrom, athleticism is just off the charts. Uh, when I had done my last mock draft with Mark Jarvis, we were still in the top 10s when he started talking about, I don't know, Lindstrom's an option here, which is interesting because I had never really heard his name that early. Even now, nobody's, people are talking about Cody Ford maybe as like a mid-first. Lindstrom is seen as like an early second guy. This could be one of those shocking picks the Packers. I'm not saying they're going to, but this is one of those things that if the Packers took Chris Lindstrom at like 12, people would lose their minds. But if he is the top guard and is as good as he seemingly is, that would be the one that would just have Packer fans just completely confused. So again, just be prepared for that. Or if they trade back and take Chris Lindstrom, or even Chris Lindstrom at 30, just understand. But he was number one in his relative athletic score at 9.82, just pretty much off the charts. Super, super athletic. He had the highest pass blocking grade of any guard. Um, he was the only one with an elite grade. His pass blocking efficiency was number one. So most athletic, best pass blocker, like across the board in terms of his grade, in terms of his stats, just the best in both categories. Beyond that, his uh, run success percentage was relatively high. He was sixth. It's hard to compete with maulers like Nate Herbig, who was number one in this category. And that's exactly what that man is. It's just a giant, plotting, monstrous human being. But he still was able to hold his own, which is, you know, when you got a guy that's super athletic and is primarily a pass blocker, to be able to somewhat hold his own, it's still relatively impressive. His worst category was his run-blocking grade, but he was still eighth, so not horrible. But Chris Lindstrom kind of fits the, the model, right? Not a great run blocker, but good enough. Very good pass blocker very athletic. I mean, if I just had to pick somebody, which makes sense because this is what my list has come up with, my chart, my, why can't I think of a name for it? Board, I guess? It's definitely not a chart. I mean, it kind of is. I don't know. doesn't sound cool. Anyways, looking at Mr. Wisconsin, Bo Benshaw, Benshaw, not a very athletic guy, which you would sort of expect from a Wisconsin guard. You could arguably say better run blocker than pass blocker, but it's pretty even, which is probably why he's as high as he is. He's a good enough pass blocker while still being a very, very good run blocker. He was the highest graded run blocker in the class. Actually, both Wisconsin guards are the two highest graded run blockers, which, again, shouldn't be super surprising. The reason Michael Dieter isn't as high as Bo, Bo Benchall is because he's not as athletic and he's not as good of a pass blocker. 
Again, probably pretty surprising to some people because Michael Dieter is seen as the guy that's going to go earlier, but whatever. By some people, not everybody. But again, although it's not impossible when you look at it, he's well-rounded, which is great. It makes sense to a degree in terms of his, um, you know, I mean, the Packers are going to want to run the ball more. But still, the fact that he's arguably a better run blocker than pass blocker, the fact that he's not very athletic, I mean, I, look, this is why Lindstrom's going first round. That's, that's all I'm saying. I don't think Lindstrom's going to make it out of the first. If he falls to 30, I think it would be a great pick if they want to go guard that early. I know you can wait, but I mean, if you're looking for a very good pass blocker, that's also a good run blocker, that's also freakishly athletic, you got one shot. It's the first round. You can find good guards in the later rounds. You can't find Chris Lindstrom's in the later rounds. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Alex Bars isn't necessarily an official grade. If he has a high relative athletic score, he could actually go up even higher. Or low, he could go lower for that matter. But Bars is actually sort of a Chris Lindstrom light. And again, it would have to be pred- that statement has to be predicated on him showing good at, you know, as far as his athleticism. Unfortunately, it looks like he did have his pro day already and didn't do anything. So we just won't get an answer on that. But if he is an athletic guard, again, he follows a similar trajectory as Chris Lindstrom. Not as good of a pass blocker, but a pretty good pass blocker. Run blocking grade, a little bit lower. Run success percentage, really high. Same with Chris Lindstrom. So again, another name that isn't super talked about, well-known, but graded out pretty well. Cody Ford, the top guy, why is he not number one on this list? Well, first of all, not very athletic is a problem. 6.27 he got. That's pretty bad. He was sixth out of 17 as far as his pass blocking grade. Fourth in pass blocking efficiency, which is pretty decent. Sixth in run blocking. Seventh in run success percentage. And again, he was ninth in his relative athletic score. And this is only out of 17. So as much as ninth seems nice because it's top 10, it's kind of in the middle. And by the way, guys like Nate Herbig had like 2.74s, 3.94s. I mean, there's some really, really low numbers here. Also, there's three guys that we don't have their numbers who could conceivably be higher because I gave them somewhat low numbers. I gave them sixes. It's very possible some of these guys are in the sevens and above Cody Ford, who had a 6.27. Let me put it this way. If I put 6.5s instead of sixes on these fillers, he'd be 12th out of 17. So not horrible. I mean, he's fourth overall, but that's sort of the issue. I mean, again, if we got Cody Ford, it's not a problem. He's a good pass blocker. He's a good run blocker, just like pretty much all these guys are. But again, if you're looking for an athletic guard to fill in for this outside zone scheme, Cody Ford, I mean, he's not top of the list. Which, by the way, let me just do that real quick. There's four guys that really, really stand out. In other words, there's four guys with nine point somethings, and then it drops to Michael Jordan at 7.91. So there's a huge gap. There's four super athletic guys, and then it drops down into the sevens, and there's only three guys in the sevens, and then it drops to the sixes. So there's some really big drops. The top guys, just for your reference, for if you're looking for athletic guards, Chris Lindstrom, number one, Ryan Bates out of Penn State, Dion Calhoun out of Mississippi State, and Hjalta Froholt. That's it. As far as the guys I'm assuming the Packers will never touch, Nate Herbig, Lester Cotton, Ben Powers, Ross Pierschbacher, Michael Dieter. And it kind of makes sense, right? These are all sort of mauler type guys. It's funny that Ben Boshaw is, is as athletic as he is, which isn't very athletic. He had a 6.9. But you've got Wisconsin, two Alabamas, and Oklahoma, and Stanford. These are all just big power programs. All right. And then uh, finally, I want to look at safeties. And there's been uh, a question about Taylor Rapp in particular. 
but also there's been some news. He was pretty slow at his uh, at his pro day, and people started to panic and wonder about his ability and when he's going to get drafted. And I'll, I'll grant you that there's probably a cutoff, and that could be ultimately his problem. But the fact of the matter is, even with his low relative athletic score, which is you know kind of low, there's people lower than him, he's still graded out as my second highest safety, partly because his tackling efficiency score is just off the charts. I actually had to change my whole chart because of him. Because everybody's like single digits, a couple double digits, like a 10 and a 14. Taylor Rapp was 55. He's number one in all of college football. So first of all, talking about Taylor Rapp, I think prior to his 40 time, and again, I'm not super dissuaded by that, although, you know, again, if you're going to be a safety, you do have to have some ability to get sideline to sideline. There does have to be some speed there, so it's possible some teams might look in a different direction. But I would have said prior to that, he's a lock in the first round. Just because of his his character and his tenacity and all that kind of stuff, you know, again, going back to my mock draft, I was leaning toward the cornerback out of Washington, asking if, hey, you think maybe Seattle would want to get back to their Legion of Boom days? And instantly you said, well, if you're looking for that, Taylor Rapp is your guy. They do everything, kind of just hard worker, grinder kind of guy, fits that kind of role. And I think there's enough teams that would be interested. And the first question I got was from Mike in the Facebook group uh, a couple days ago. Actually, it was yesterday, saying, what are your thoughts on Taylor Rapp at 30? And I wouldn't have had any problem with that whatsoever. And again, I still don't know if I don't. If we took him at 30, I wouldn't freak out at all. So to be clear what we're talking about, he ran a time, and because these aren't you know, laser time, the, the reported time is somewhere between 474 and 477, which is disgustingly slow. To make matters worse, the quarterback, Jake Browning, he ran a 474. In other words, at best, Taylor Rapp ran as fast as the quarterback, probably a little bit slower. Now, first of all, here's the thing. He has a groin injury. Now, I don't know if he, how recovered he is. Maybe he really is that slow. But I tend to think if he's still recovering from a groin injury, it could shave a little bit of time off. So I, I guess, do I think he goes in the first round now? Probably not. And again, it, it, so, okay, let's look at it. So his relative athletic score was a 7.51. It's not great. It puts him at 8th out of 14 whatever. It's ahead of Nasir Adderley. It's ahead of Deontay Thompson. Actually, you know what? I think Deontay and Jonathan Abram don't have times. So he's ahead of Deontay Thompson. I'm sorry, Nasir Adderley. And then way ahead of Lucas Dennis, uh, Jaquan Johnson, and Mike Bell. So it's not his greatest attribute. Beyond that, comes from a good program at Washington. Not just a good school overall, but as far as defensive backs go, really solid. I mentioned his tackling efficiency. He was the best tackler in all of college football, period. His pass rush grade, which isn't, you know, weighted very highly, but it's still something to keep in mind, he was third, which really does say something. I mean, if the problem is he's too slow, that doesn't really help you get from the deeper parts of the field to the quarterback. Only Jonathan Abram and Juan Thornhill were higher. In terms of coverage, which is going to be the the biggest question mark, right? Nobody's really going to question his ability to make tackles in the open field or any of that stuff, but what about coverage? He was third, behind Amani Hooker and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, according to Pro Football Focus grades. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough because, again, the question isn't so much, okay, if you just average it out or look at his overall relative athletic score, he's, he's not, it's not the end of the world. The, the real question is, though, the cutoff. At some point, a team might just say, listen, that's too slow for a safety, period. And if they're looking at it saying, I don't think it's the groin issue, I think it's just... I think he's just too slow. They might just completely take him off the board because too slow is just too slow. 
If you can't get to where we need you to get fast enough, that's a problem. If we can't count on you to come in and play single high on occasion, it's just not going to work. Now, the good thing is he makes up for it for being incredibly intelligent. And the fact of the matter is straight line speed is one thing, but some of the best safeties that play single high safety aren't 4-4 guys. Getting to where the ball is going to be on time has a lot to do with speed, but it also has to do with intelligence. Being in the right spot and breaking on the ball early. The, the, if you can put yourself in the right position and start moving in the right direction sooner than everybody else, even if you're not the fastest, you're going to get there faster than everybody. If you've got a four-yard head start because you put yourself in the right spot and you start running a half a second earlier, who's going to get there? The 4-7 guy with the head start or the 4-3 guy? 4-7 guy is going to get there way faster. I mean, if we're laser timing it, it's, you don't even need a laser timer. You can be sitting in the nosebleed seats and see that one. Because again, ultimately we're talking about fractions of seconds. The difference between what is a, you know an acceptable 4-5 time and an acceptable 4-7 time, and we're talking over the distance of 40 yards, it's a fraction of a second later. And again, you can make that up by leaving, you know, I, what, a half a second earlier. Really, I mean, literally, if, if you leave a half a second earlier, that's 0.5 seconds. Over the distance of 40 yards, the 4-7 guy gets there still faster than the 4-3 guy. I mean, it's, it's pretty close, but, I mean, it's just, it's kind of basic math. So these things can be compensated for. It's just a matter of how much people respect his, his intelligence. And again, he, he's, he just, he's a really good football player. So I, I don't know if he goes at 30 at this point. I think the 4-7 might have scared people off a little bit depending on what other options are there. You know, you might drop him a little bit on your board in terms of his overall talent, right? It's just, it's a grade and you drop him and there's other guys that are higher. But I still think Taylor Rapp is a good football player. And I think especially for the Packers, you know, they're not necessarily looking, I mean, they're looking for a guy that can play single high, which again, I I don't think Taylor Rapp is out of that conversation entirely, although 4-7 is relatively slow. But the Packers with Adrian Amos, I think, you know, if his job is to guard half the field, and to be sort of interchangeable in terms of free safety and strong safety, with Adrian Amos primarily being the more free safety type, I don't think Taylor Rapp would be that bad of a fit, especially if it's just his, his single high coverage that's the biggest problem, but he's super intelligent, great tackler, just, he, he, I mean, he's kind of like an Adrian Amos in a way, just a solid, smart football player, and you got two of them on the team, that's fantastic. So if they picked Taylor Rapp at 30, would I throw a fit? No. Do I think they're going to? No. If they take him at 44, am I going to be upset? Not at all. Now we're getting into I'm excited territory. So again, I love a blazing fast safety that can, you know, again, go sideline to sideline, get an Earl Thomas type guy. But the Earl Thomases just don't exist, and I don't think there is one in this class. Now, another alternative, and this was a follow-up question from Mike in the Facebook group. He said, bouncing off my previous question, if Rap isn't the guy at 30 or 44, could we take another DB such as Savage or Thornhill? Now, I'm assuming Mike's looking for speed because the two guys that are potential first, second round guys um, that also have really good 40 times are Savage and Thornhill. Darnell Savage ran a 4 3 6. Juan Thornhill ran a 4 4 2. I mean, there's other guys, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, 4 4 8, but I mean, th- those two were the fastest. I mean, of the, I mean, Zedrick Woods was the fastest, but who in the world is Zedrick Woods? The guy isn't even on my top 14 list here. But interestingly enough, based on the metrics that I have, Juan Thornhill is actually my number one safety. So first of all, as you would expect, relative athletic score is off the charts. Now, is Darnell Savage relative athletic score off the charts? No. It's fine. And yes, he ran fast in the 40, but overall athleticism, nowhere near Juan Thornhill. His relative athletic score, Juan Thornhill, was 978. I mean, it's 
That's crazy. For reference, there were four guys in the nines. Juan Thornhill, Shedrick, Sheldrick Redwine, another really fast runner. Marvell Tell, who's going to be a very late round guy, and Amani Hooker. But Juan Thornhill is a pretty impressive guy. He didn't have the freakish tackling efficiency grade of 55, but he had the second highest at 14.43. Again, if it wasn't for Taylor Rapp, that would be in my vernacular freakish because everybody else you got seven eight six 17 actually no 17 is higher i always miss one so seven eight six eight five eight six eight ten fifty five fourteen so he's a very good tackler is the point in terms of run stop percentage this is mostly twos and threes which again is is a metric of on on how many snaps do you make a play that is a run stop. Now think about this. If you're talking linebacker, the reason the linebackers have such higher numbers is because they're closer to the line of scrimmage. Their ability to stop somebody from getting four yards on first down is a lot higher than a safety who's playing a lot deeper. Now granted, Juan Thornhill is probably a strong safety, so he is probably closer to the line of scrimmage, but still, seven is really high. The next highest run stop grade is Jaquan Johnson out of Miami. For reference, Devin Bush, although his run stop grade was actually really low, but his, his, his was 6.8. So he made more run stops per snap than Devin Bush did. So very, very fast, very, very disruptive on that Virginia defense. One of the best tacklers, easily number one in run stop percentage of all the safeties. In terms of pass rush, as you would probably expect, he came in second. And I messed something up and pushed a letter. So Taylor Rapp is now number one with a P run uh, pass rush grade. My bad. I don't remember what to do. So maybe he's third. I don't, what was Taylor Rapp? Whatever. Plays a little closer to the line of scrimmage, blazing fast, very good pass rush grade. And for reference, for getting Taylor Rapp, um, all the grades, 4.75, and then Juan Thornhill, 8.21. So it's just a bunch of guys that are like, eh, I guess you can pass rush. And then there's like, oh yeah, he's actually really good at it. Juan Thornhill and Jonathan Abram are at the top. Run defense grade. PFF's grading system, number one run defender, Juan Thornhill. So basically looking at this so far, we're, we're just looking at a really good, strong safety, right? Blazing fast, which is great for everything against the run and the pass. Number one run grade, number two-ish pass rush grade, number one run stopping percentage, number three tackling efficiency, i.e. very good tackler. But can the guy cover? Kind of the biggest question, right? Well, he was seventh, but he was not bad, by the way. He graded out as very good. So it's, it's you know, it's one of those things where he was lower on this list, but he still graded out pretty well. So so I guess the issue is, it's kind of stylistically, what are you looking for? Juan Thornhill is definitely more of the strong safety role, which is, again, isn't the worst thing, because presumably, although they're going to be interchangeable, Adrian Amos is probably going to be primarily the free safety. So the only question is, if you have him as the primary free safety and you bring somebody in that's primarily the strong safety or whatever, the only question is, can he play free safety? Because he's going to have to be able to. He's going to have to be able to cover. He's going to have to at least be able to cover half the field, if not the entire field. fact of the matter is, he's blazing fast and he's good in coverage. He can handle it. So Juan Thornhill, by every metric, is pretty much off the charts. So I, I haven't heard as much talk about Juan Thornhill. Maybe it's starting to heat up with his solid athleticism, especially at six foot two oh five. He's not a small guy. Six foot two oh five runs a four four two twenty one uh, bench reps, forty four inch vert, one hundred forty one inch broad jump. The other interesting aspect in this, not that it's a really big need, 
but there's some talk about Juan Thornhill as possibly being converted to corner. Now, I'm not saying I want that, but the interesting aspect of that is you've got this sort of strong safety-ish guy, but also a guy that can play in the slot. That's that versatile piece. So you got the high relative athletic score, the high athleticism that the Packers like. You've got the the um, the versatility. He can play in the slot. He can play strong. He can play free. He's got all the speed to be able to handle these things. And and again, the the best part about this is just finding prospects that I'm comfortable with. So at 44, if Taylor Rapp's gone, I'm not saying ah, I don't know what to do because if Juan Thornhill's there and they pick him, I know that I'm very excited and I know why. Again, I can even if I forget, I'll revert back to my little sheet here and go Juan Thorn. Oh yeah, that's right. He was my number one safety. Now I remember something to that effect. But anyways, I'll just quickly run through my list of safeties from uh, first to last. A couple of them, unfortunately, Nasir Adderley and Lucas Dennis, uh, I don't really have official grades for. Um, PFF didn't scout them, presumably because of, well, not, I don't know what Lucas Dennis the problem is, but maybe because Nasir Adderley went to Delaware. I'm not entirely sure, but neither of those guys have uh, official grades or anything like that. Lucas Dennis wouldn't have done well, again, because of his extremely low relative athletic score. But Nasir Adderley is one of the guys that can and probably will go high that I don't really have very much information for. So they're going to be at the bottom, but don't think that's because they belong at the bottom. It's just because their grades are insanely low because I don't have any numbers to put in. But here we go. Juan Thornhill, Taylor Rapp, Amani Hooker, Marquise Blair out of Utah, Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, Darnell Savage out of Maryland, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida, Sheldrick Redwine, Miami, Jaquan Johnson, Miami, Marvell Tell, USC, Jonathan Abram, Mississippi State, Mike Bell, Fresno State, and then you got Nasir and Lucas Dennis. And again, I gave you the the fast guys, the high relative athletic score guys. Um, I guess really quickly here, if you're looking just for coverage, and again, this is if you want to play with this, you know how to get it. But the top coverage guys, the two guys with elite grades, Amani Hooker and Chauncey Gardner Johnson, which is funny because I always figured Chauncey Gardner Johnson was going to be more of a strong safety type, but his tackling grade is actually kind of low. Run stop percentage is kind of low. Coverage off the charts. So <laughs> there's that. Um, and then basically Taylor Rapp was was born 8.98 with 9 being elite. Basically Taylor Rapp was elite in coverage as well. So those are the top guys in those categories. Again, if you want to take a closer look at this, a lot of these are stats and grades. Um, you can look at it for yourself. You can download that sheet on uh, Patreon. If you'd like to do that for as little as a dollar a month, you can get in on that. Otherwise, I'm going to have to cut it a little bit short today. i got to get going. i got up to a late start because I'm very tired. And I had a lot of pausing breaks to drink coffee and try to wake up. Excuses, excuses. You folks enjoy your Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day. Bye-bye.